Hello! Welcome to Cup of Taboo. Bonus episode! This is where I discuss all things considered taboo. And I am your hostess with the mostest, Tyler. And today, I will be talking about Valentine's Day and all of the dark events that happened on the 14th of February throughout the years. I hope that you are ready for your weekly dose of strange, dark and terrible, served in your Cup of Taboo. Happy Valentine's Day, the day of love, the worst holiday of the year. <laughs> I sound like a bitter single person, but mm, I even hate Valentine's Day when I'm not single, so ha! Ha! It's just a money-making scheme at this point. The amount of money that is spent by people on Valentine's Day is ridiculous. Quite frankly, disgusting. Just some uh, interesting interesting uh, numbers and stats, but according to the National Retail Foundation, Americans spent over $20 billion on Valentine's gifts in 2019, and that number is just expected to rise, and it probably has. So that's $2.4 billion on candy alone. So those are just chocolates. I mean, what? What? That's insane. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's also, <laughs> it's quite cute, actually. Um... 27.6 million American households gave, gave Valentine's Day presents to their dogs in 2020. How cute! It's adorable! But anyway, that's besides the point. Let me get back into the reason that I'm having this episode. <laughs> Valentine's Day didn't start off being about love. No, no, no. There are a few things that happened way back in the day that led to it being what it is today. So... I'm going to go through those things. It happened a very long time ago, but I'm going to give you what I know. And it's just some interesting information for the day for you to know while you be all romantic and cutesy with your person. So as some of you may know, uh, Valentine's Day is named after St. Valentine. But who was the St. Valentine, you may ask? Well, there are records of at least two St. Valentines. The first St. Valentine was a priest who served in the 3rd century in Rome under Emperor Claudius II. At this time, you know, Romans, they went to war and stuff, so Emperor Claudius II decided that single men made for better soldiers because then they wouldn't be thinking about sex all the time. Also, I mean, I suppose when they weren't married, they weren't worried about their wives and families because that's what married people worry about so they would fight more valiantly so basically he outlawed marriage for young men and valentine the priest believed that this was an injustice so he defied claudius and he would marry people in secret when it was discovered claudius ordered that valentine be put to death which is i mean you know the usual punishment back in the day and he, he did he got put to death he got beheaded but then there was another Valentine who 
was from a place called Terni at around the same time. He was a bishop and he was also put to death by the same Emperor Claudius just outside of Rome. So it just seems that Claudius hated love. That, that's what it seemed like. But then another uh, story or legend or another St. Valentine that they believe the holiday could have been named after was a St. Valentine who was locked in prison in Rome and he was there to be put to death and his crime was helping Christians escape the harsh Roman prison system because they were beaten, they were tortured and he was like, no, this is just not okay. They were, this was because they were Christian. So one of the stories is that this Valentine was actually the first person to send off a Valentine greeting to his lover, a young woman who was believed to be the jailer's daughter who he was tutoring. And he wrote his final letter to her and he signed this letter off with From Your Valentine. So while it's not certain which of these is the Saint Valentine that Valentine's Day is based after, it is agreed that the Saint Valentines mentioned all loved love. They were very heroic, romantic figures, and this is kind of what it's become known to be about. It, another part of the history of Valentine's Day is that there was a pagan festival that was held in February, and the claim is that the Christian church placed saint valentine's day in the middle of february to try and christianize this pagan festival called lupercalia which was celebrated on the 15th of february so lupercalia was a fertility festival ded dedicated to faunus the roman god of agriculture as well as the roman founders romulus and remus the the history goes that Lupercalia has been traced back to as far as the 6th century BC and according to Roman legend the the ancient king Amulius ordered Romulus and Remus his twin nephews and founders of Rome to be thrown in the Tiber 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 river river to drown because of their mother's broken vow of celibacy so he was like these two children will be drowned to punish their mother because that's how we punish people and when the time came to actually throwing these kids into the river this a specific servant took pity on them and they sent them on their merry way in a little basket down the river kind of like in the prince of egypt where he was sent in the river but anyway and the river god carried the these two kids down the river to a fig tree where the the basket became caught in the branches and the brothers were rescued by the she-wolf and she cared for them in a den at the base of palatine hill where rome was founded the brothers were then taken into the care of some farmers they grew up they killed their uncle and then they named either the cave or the she-wolf lupercal it is thought that lupercalia took place to honor that she-wolf and to honor the roman fertility god so Lupercalia rituals took place in the cave, on Palatine Hill, Palatine Hill, and in a public meeting place called Comitium. The festival would start in the cave where one or more male goats, a representation of sexuality, and a dog, a representation of purification, were slaughtered. After the slaughter, the foreheads of two naked Lupercai, which is what the priests were called, were then smeared with the blood and then cleaned off with the milk-covered rag while they laughed. 
Then came the feast, after which they would cut the hides of the goats into strips, and these strips would then be soaked in the fresh blood of the sacrifices, and the luperkai would then run around naked, or partially naked, through the town, and they would whip women with the blood-soaked rags. This was believed to help with fertility. Which, obviously, I mean, the woman wanted because they wanted children, because that's what mammals do. So, during the same festival, women's names were placed into a jar and men would pull out a name and the man and the woman that he pulled out the name would then spend the next year together until the next festival, often resulting in marriage between the two. How romantic. It's kind of like old school Tinder, I suppose. (laughs) An old school swinger party. Anyway, in the late 5th century AD, Pope Galatius I eliminated this pagan festival of Lupercalia and declared the 14th of February a a day to celebrate the martyrdom of St. Valentine instead. It's still, I mean, a lot of the colors of Valentine's Day still sort of hint back towards the Lupercalia festival. Red, the color of Valentine's for the blood of the goats. White, also a color of Valentine for the milk that was used to clean the foreheads. I don't know. I'm just saying... This is supposedly how it started. And it wasn't always about love. It just started as this attempt to Christianize a pagan festival. And then eventually, uh, during some period, they believed that the 14th of February was when birds would mate and have be fertile. And then I suppose from there, love just started spreading. I'm not sure. People love love, so love. But now I'm just going to get on to some really terrible, horrendous things that have happened on Valentine's Day, the 14th of February, over the years. I hope you are ready, because there are some really, really terrible things that have happened. I mean, it's it's quite hectic. Here's a history lesson for you all. The first that I will mention is the Strasbourg Massacre. Between 1348 and 1350, a plague, you might know it, known as the Black Death, swept across Europe. You've probably heard of it. It was bad. But, you know, I hadn't heard of the Strasbourg Massacre before I started researching for today's episode. And woof, it is bad. It is real bad. The Black Death, just a quick little recap, killed between a third and a half of the continent's population. That was nearly 20 million people. I mean, that is insane. They didn't have real medicine. They didn't know what was happening they would try all sorts of things they tried bloodletting they tried boil lancing which didn't work they were actually unsanitary and making it worse they then tried other things that were not tied to any medicine at all they tried burning aromatic herbs bathing in rose water or vinegar they tried praying to all sorts of different gods because they were like ah something is terribly wrong people are just dying everywhere so you're probably probably wondering like okay what does this have to do with valentine's die be patient young one I'm getting there. So now back in these days, as I said, religion played a huge part in a lot of people's decisions. And some believe that the plague was God's way of punishing them. So naturally, the Christian people needed someone to blame and they focused that blame on the Jewish people. This led to a series of massacres of Jews in France, Spain and Germany. And the worst massacre took place in Strasbourg. At this point, the plague had not even reached the city, but trying to be proactive instead of reactive, they publicly burned hundreds of Jews on the 14th of February, 1349. This is an example of a pogrom, which is an organized massacre of a particular ethnic group, in particular that of Jews in Russia or Eastern Europe. So that happened. It's disgusting and terrible, but 
it happened, they believed that the Jewish people were poisoning the wells and that that was what was calling, causing some of the plague. Next up is the St. Valentine's Massacre. This is some gang violence for you, and uh, it's back in the day of Al Capone. From 1924 to 1930, Chicago was known for its widespread violence and lawlessness. In the 1920s, America was going through its prohibition stage, where the sale and consumption of alcohol was prohibited. Hello, South Africa 2020. Al Scarface Capone took over from his boss, Johnny Tario, in 1925 to run the gang. And they were coining it with their bootlegging, which is the production of illegal alcohol, and their speakeasies all over Chicago, as well as gambling and prostitution establishments. You know, all savory, fun things. Capone's income was estimated to be at around $60 million a year during this time. Now, I mean, that's, that's a long time ago. That's a lot of money. He was gang rich. Haha, <laughs> gang. I get it. Okay. Over the years, Capone managed to take control over most of Chicago's crime rackets by being ruthless and violent, and he was not afraid to just have his enemies offed. In 1929, on Valentine's Day, the 14th of February, the gang war reached its bloody climax with the St. Valentine's Massacre. So Capone's rival, George Bugs Moran, was part of the Irish North Side, the Irish Northsiders, and Capone and his cronies were the Italian Southsiders. So... Ireland. George Bugs Moran. George Bugs Moran. And, oh fuck, Italian. So, oh no, I can't even. Anyway, so, so Capone's rival, George Bugs Moran, was part of the Irish Northsiders, and Capone and his cronies were the Italian Southsiders. <laughs> Sorry. It's not, it's not good today. They were constantly going for each other's business and territories, and Bugs actually tried to have Capone killed in September of 1926 through a drive-by shooting at a hotel. Somehow, Capone survived. Over 1,000 bullets were fired into this hotel, and, I mean, he walked away unscathed. And when Capone heard that there was a $50,000 bounty on his head, he was like, ah, this is, I'm done, I'm enough, this is enough. And so he was like, I've got to, I've got to kill him. I've got to get rid of him. And at this point, Capone was in Miami in 20... Not what? Capone was in Miami at the time in 1929, and he had his hitman, Jack Machine Gun McGurn, plan an assassination on Moran. It was all well planned out. McGurn found Moran's headquarters, which was a garage behind the offices of the SMC Cartage Company at 2122 North Clark Street in Chicago. He then found gunmen from outside of town so that nothing could be traced back to Capone. He hired lookout points near the garage and he watched. He also managed to acquire a stolen police car as well as two police uniforms. With everything planned and organized, McGurn instructed a local booze hijacker to contact Bugs Moran on the 13th of February and to tell him that he had a large shipment of whiskey that he was willing to sell off at a decent price. Bugs Moran jumped at the opportunity and arranged a meeting for the next day, the 14th of February, at the garage at 10.30am. On the morning of February 14th, the lookouts for Capone's side, their names were Harry and Phil Keywell, were watching carefully as the Moran gang... <laughs> assembled at the garage and at around 10:30 they saw a man that they believed was Bugs Moran they told the gunman who got into the police car and off they went the police car arrived at the garage and four men got out some reports say five but most say four the four gunmen that were named in the article that i read were Fred Killer Burke John Scalise 
Albert Anselmi and Joseph Lolordo. Two of the gunmen were dressed as police and the rest were in fancy civilian clothes. The men from Moran's gang believed that this was just a normal police raid so they listened to the men who told them to give them their weapons and stand facing the wall, which they did without argument. The men then opened fire on the seven men, killing them all. Each of the seven victims, that is Frank Gusenberg, Pete Gusenberg, John May, Albert Weinshank, James Clark, Adam Heyer and Dr. Reinhard Schwimmer received at least 15 bullets, mostly to the head and torso areas. The gunmen then left the garage, believing that they had assassinated their target. Little did they know that Bugs Moran was running slightly late, and when he arrived, he saw the police car and stayed back. The, men, the man that they saw that they believed was Bugs was actually Albert Weinshank. Nobody has ever, tri- has ever been tried or convicted of this murder, but everybody knew that it was Capone's doing. It was just so his style. They just they could never prove it. He was, mean, he was in Miami in court on that day, and McGurn, the guy who helped plan this, was with his girlfriend at the time. So nobody was ever arrested. Apparently, this brought Capone to the FBI attention, and he was ultimately arrested for tax evasion and sent to Alcatraz in 1931. McGurn was gunned down on February 15, 1936, seven years nearly to the day after the St. Valentine's Day massacre, at a bowling alley, and Moran was arrested for some small-time bank robberies and he died in prison from lung cancer. So that was the St. Valentine's Day massacre, and it's insane. While reading this, I just read so many gang stories and they're brutal and they're violent, and if you want to hear more, please let me know, because I would love to do some. Next up, in 1945, it was World War II, but that's not what I'm going to get into now. But it's, 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 it's important. Between the 13th and the 15th of February, the Allies decided that they were going to do a series of firebombing raids over Dresden, a German city. Over the course of these three days, around 25,000 people died in these firebombings. This is a tragedy, yes. But part of this was that there was to be dummy raids to distract the German forces. Also, there was really terrible weather. And on the 14th of February, the American Air Force carried out a raid over Prague, thinking it was Dresden. So it was actually, it came out later, there was a mistake that they had bombed the wrong city. Because of the bad weather, they they said it looked the same. And the American Air Forces actually dropped over 150 tons of bombs over the Czech capital of Prague. 701 people died and over 1,184 people were injured in this bombing. And this last one is also a bit of a tragedy. It's really unfortunate, but on the 14th of February in 2004, the roof of the Transvaal water park in Moscow collapsed, killing 28 people, including eight children, and injuring 193 people. The water park was built only two years before the tragedy happened, and it was super popular. The theme of the water park was Africa, and it was actually named after the province in South Africa, Transvaal province, which, just so you know, was divided into four provinces after apartheid. That is Limpopo, Gauteng, Mpumlanga, and Northwest. Anyway, this indoor swimming park had heated pools, jacuzzi, slides, and even a river for people to chew on. Now, remember, in February, it is peak winter in Moscow. I mean, it's like, it's always cold there, I believe. I think, I've never been, but I, I imagine Moscow is always cold. But this, besides the point, it was freezing cold there, snowy, icky, gross, and inside everyone was having the time of their lives with the heated pools and so much fun, having a good time. 
but at around 7.15pm on the 14th of February 2004, a terrible cracking sound was heard and then the entire roof collapsed. The roof was made mostly out of steel and glass and when it collapsed, shards of the steel and glass plummeted down upon the swimmers inside. Some of the people who managed to escape ran out into the snow in their bathing suits, resulting in some frostbite. And, I mean, just imagine that. Just imagine, it's like, I can just picture it like, what was that movie with Jake Gyllenhaal? Was it 2012? No. The Day After Tomorrow. I just imagine like this, this super snowy, cold, like post-apocalyptic, the roof just coming down. It must have been terrifying. So... At first, terrorism was blamed for the tragedy, but it was later found that the construction was not up to par and the, bol- the building was not made to withstand the heavy snow outside. So that was a big oof. And yeah, obviously there's also Oscar Pistorius who killed his girlfriend Reva Steenkamp on the 14th of February 2013, but that is going to be my next episode, so stay tuned for that one. So yeah, a nice quick little episode. Just a fun little bonus episode. Maybe not that fun, but a a little bonus episode just for the day of love. Love and tragedy. We write songs, not tragedies. How does it? No. Anyway, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, please leave a rating and a review on Apple. It really helps my show to grow organically. And also, please keep listening. I hope that you learned something. And if you didn't, I hope that you were at least somewhat entertained. Follow me on social media. Instagram, it's cupoftaboo underscore podcast. Facebook, Cup of Taboo. Twitter is Cup Taboo. And Gmail is Cup of Taboo at gmail.com. I will have the ex- the, 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 the. I will have the next episode ready by the usual Thursday release this week. And as mentioned earlier, it's Oscar Falcon Pistorius, brah. Anyway, stay hydrated, beautiful people. Goodbye. I know some things that you don't know. I know some things that you don't know. I know some things that you don't know.